Good morning, doctor. How are you doing today? I'm good, Arrow. How are you? Fantastic. I've been waiting to talk with you because I am like 10 million or 10 billion other people. We're fascinated with sharks, but we don't know why. What is it about that shark? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm one of those people as well. Um, I think it, I think we've just never uh, outgrown our childhood fascination for big, charismatic, you know, megafauna. Um, I think it's the fact that they're they're such amazing animals that have thrived over you know tens of millions, hundreds of millions of years, and I think there's the fear factor, you know, the danger element that's associated with sharks. You know, they bite people, you know, and we're afraid and we're drawn to things that uh, bite us for some strange reason. <laughs> so I, I think it's a combination of those aspects of it that that keep many of us, you know, riveted when it when it comes to these these animals. You know, you talk about being bit by a shark. I mean, are they really that big of a monster in our lives, or is it or is it just more mind over matter? It's uh, it's a figment of our imagination that's gone wild, really. Um, the reality of shark attack is, you know, we can look at the numbers. The numbers say it all. You know, there's less than a uh, hundred every year on a global scale. Um, less than ten percent of those are fatal. Um, so it's it's really a low risk for for human beings, incredibly low risk. Um, yet we dwell in it. We we're fascinated by. It. We're drawn to it, and it's and it's amazing to me. And I think it has. You know, it's just because these are wild animals that can hurt us in a modern society. Now, people need to understand that you actually help out these these East, East Coast cities as well. Because, I mean, if, if there's a shark spotted, don't they call you or don't you send out a warning saying, hey, look, there's 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 some activity in your area right now. Yeah, we we work really closely with the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy, which is the nonprofit here on Cape Cod. Um, all our research is is um, basically parsed out through them. And one of the things they have is is an app called Sharktivity. And so anytime we see a white shark or the public does and we vet that information, it goes up on that Sharktivity app so that the public can be aware. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, we don't know where every white shark is all the time. So people really shouldn't think of it as a public safety tool as they should think of it as an educational tool. One of the things that fascinated me with with an interview that you did recently is is when you when you bring them on board the ship. See, we think you're with them for the shark for maybe 25, 30 minutes. It's not that at all. I mean, you've got to work fast, don't you? Well, you know, that was when I partnered with a group called O-Search, and then that was uh, over 10 years ago. Um, those, those guys um, will capture the shark and bring it up on the ship to sample it. Um, we've moved away from that sampling technique, quite frankly, because um, we're tagging sharks extremely close to swimming beaches. And we think that if you handle these animals too much, you could change their behavior. Ooh. And that's the last thing I want to do. So we have a different approach to tagging white sharks. We uh, will tag them while they're swimming. Uh, we won't capture them. We won't take them out of the water. But not that there's you know, a concern. It's just that we don't want to take any chances when it comes to their behavior. And so um, we use a free swimming tagging technique. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see your database. I mean, because I mean, or a shark map somewhere. It's like, oh, there's Johnny, man. He's, he's swimming down there by by Florida today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sharktivity will show you that. It's um, it's kind of cool. And I, I'm fascinated by it because, you know, I've gotten to know some of these sharks now for, you know, almost a decade. Wow. And, um, you know, we see them every year. Uh, we see them in Cape Cod. And then they travel as far as the Gulf of Mexico, and then they come right back to Cape Cod, which is, to me, a remarkable navigational ability. What are you noticing with climate change with the sharks? Because aren't they? Aren't they? They have to have a specialized water, do they not? 
Yeah, the, the movements of white sharks, their distribution, their range is driven by water temperature. You know, they're not here in these northern areas in the winter. So as things cool off, they leave. Um, one of the things we're intensively studying is as our climate changes, how is that going to affect the distribution of white sharks? And what we're seeing is it's likely to that they'll arrive a little bit early, maybe stay a little bit longer, depart later, um, as our summer season becomes a little bit more protracted. Yeah, but they're definitely locked into to water temperature. Historically, we know white sharks occur as far north as, as Canada and Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah. So um, that hasn't changed, it seems, not yet at least. Yeah. Well, I've, I've seen those stories where they say wherever the seal is, so is the shark. Yeah, that's that that that's true to some extent, you know. Um, but they do follow that prey, and particularly larger white sharks in excess of nine feet long. They target seals, but they're also fairly opportunistic. They'll eat other sharks, dolphins, porpoises. They love to scavenge whale carcasses. Arrow, they really, really do. You know, they're really big. They'll follow the migration of whales, um, hoping that when one goes, they're able to scavenge it, and it provides them a, a healthy meal. Yeah. Speaking of following things, how important is the drone nowadays with, with these schools of fish? Do you watch them to see if, if it's like, oh, this could be one of those areas where a shark could show up? Yeah. Um, you know, in Chasing Shadows, I think what people see is the evolution of technology as it uh, parallels my career. And the new tools that are that we use these days, including drones, you know, uh, you know, the state of New York now has invested money into using drones for public safety and detecting sharks. We're using drones ourselves to observe shark behavior as it relates to, you know, where swimmers are. And so um, I, we use it as a phenomenal tool to get a bird's eye view of how these animals behave. Wow. The, one of the things that, I, that I've been watching a lot this year is, is that what is it, seaweed that's coming in on the state of Florida. How, how does that mess around with the sea life in, in, you know, in, when something like that, that's so unique, is happening to the waters? Well, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, sargassum weed has, for the last couple of years, been piling up on Florida beaches and Caribbean island beaches. But the Bahamas... Um, we don't know what's driving this phenomenon, but as that weed breaks down, it could lead to, you know, obviously, you know, pollution and yeah. degradation of water quality. Um, and we're trying to figure out how exactly that's going to impact, you know, fish species that are, you know, endemic to those areas. You know, most sharks are highly migratory. They'll move out of an area. Um, but smaller species of fish may not have the latitude to do that. So it, it's 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 research I'm not directly involved in, but certainly something worth looking at. Man, you talk like that, and right away I start thinking about this nuclear power plant that's over in Japan where they want to dump this stuff into the ocean. It's like, you can't do that, man. Somehow, some way, that's going to wrap around the entire planet. No, you're right. It's That's crazy. You know, crazy thinking. I mean, I think I'm, I'm pretty proud of what we have done as a country in terms of shark conservation, you know, we're not there yet. There are a couple of species that are still, you know, not healthy populations. There's a few, but we've taken steps over the last 20 years, you know, to, to restore shark populations. And we are seeing signs of that, you know, and I'll tell you, some of those signs are not great because uh, people don't particularly like sharing the water with sharks, you know, but it's not our domain, it's theirs, and, and we have to learn how to coexist. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, conservation versus public safety. Yeah, it, it's a tricky balance. I talk a lot about it in the book because it rears its its ugly head. You know, let's face it, you've got white sharks 
feeding on seals in a tourist area where people are trying to recreate. Right. And, and that leads to, you know, big issues and big questions. What do we do when we restore populations of top predators and they impact what we like to do? Um, I, I think somewhere we need to strike a balance and we need to coexist. I think it's important for us to realize that sharks are critical components of a marine, healthy marine ecosystem. And so if we don't have sharks, we're going to diminish the health of our surrounding seas. So it's important that we protect them and at the same time figure out how to balance, you know, uh, what we love to do with the, with the persistence of this species. While you were putting the book together, Chasing Shadows, did you find yourself ever being a student to what you were writing? Because I'm, I'm sure you take in so much content. Yeah. Um, first of all, I had to dig deep. You know, it, my story starts when I'm like 13 or 14 years old. Um, and it walks through my career. And luckily, as a young scientist, I kept notes. Um, but as a young kid, I didn't. <laughs> so I had to <laughs> dig deep into the into the recesses of my brain. And and my co-author, Rhett, Rhett Talbot, is, was phenomenal in helping me, you know, tap into those resources. But, you know, I also had to, you know, filter out. There's so much you want to put on the page. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I didn't want to bore the hell out of everybody with <laughs> with all the technical you know, science I've written, you know, in the papers that nobody reads except other scientists. So I think we really transformed this with Rhett's help into a, a fun adventure, you know, and it's not, it's about white sharks. It's about, you know, my, my work with basking sharks, blue sharks, Greenland sharks, my development as a young scientist and, and my quest to become a shark biologist. So I hope, you know, I hope I educate people. I hope I entertain them. And I hope I inspire young people. Dude, I will sit there and I'll read the part of the chapter. And the first thing I do is I, I hurry up and go to YouTube because I got to see it. It's like I'm reading it, but now I want to see it. And so and the, the, <laughs> there's such a connection between how you share the story and then how we have to go see the moving pictures. <laughs> it's kind of the world we live in now, Arrow, you know, um, which is not a bad thing. You know, uh, we want, you know, and we did include a, a lot of great photos in it. I would have included a lot more if mm-hmm. I could. Um, but, you know, the publer, publisher has, has certain constraints on me, you know, so we couldn't write a thousand pages and we couldn't have a thousand photos. But um, I think it I think it does entertain and, and hopefully it, it drives people in the right direction when it comes to coexisting with sharks. I would love to see how many students are going to reach out to you because it does inspire the imagination as well as your compassion for wild animals. You know, learn to love all living things. Do you see marine biology being a growing interest at, at a lot of these universities? Oh yeah, yeah. So when I went, uh, when I, I'm in high school, right in 1979. Now I'm really dating myself, but um, and I'm and I'm want to be a marine biologist. So I'm I'm searching, and there's no web to search. You know, you have to you have to make phone calls. Um, you have to reach out to colleges and have them send you materials about their programs because the internet did not exist, right? Um, and so I couldn't find a school that had a major in marine biology. Oh, wow. There were only like three or four, um, but now they're everywhere. So we've seen a massive expansion in, in programs in colleges, universities related to um, marine sciences. And I think that's wonderful because there's demand, you know, particularly as we head down the road of, of climate change and alternative energy sources like wind energy, you know, my agency, the Division of Marine Fisheries, where I work, we've lost a lot of highly qualified scientists because wind energy is buying those folks up. Oh, That's wow. a good thing. You know, yeah. it's bad for us because we're losing good scientists, but we'll get new ones, you know. But, 
you know, there's a lot of demand out there, you know, particularly when, as we realize how much we've impacted our ocean environment, you know, we need talent out there to help us fix it. You know, you bring up an interesting point in, in, in the environment in the way that, okay, so they, they've had the fish and the shark had to adapt with, with the atmosphere that we gave them with all this pollution. As we clean up the air, what is it going to do to their evolution? Well, good question. You know, I'm hoping it brings them back and we're seeing signs of that, you yeah. know. Uh, you know, the media obviously has been harping on, you know, a, a number of bites off Long Island, you know, but that's a clear sign that the sand tiger shark population is responding to protection and coming back into areas. You know, sharks leave when the environment's not good for them and for them to come back. It's a good sign. You know, it's not great for people in some cases, but it's a good sign. The same with white sharks off Cape Cod, you know, they're coming back to places where they once existed, you know, seal populations. We can give examples of this, you know, we have a long way to go, but we have examples where conservation has succeeded and worked. And and I think we need to stay on that trajectory, even though it might result in, in instances where interacting with sharks, uh, it, it does happen. Speaking of interacting, I, I'm a bird person, so I can sit here and see how the, the cardinal speaks to the crow who speaks to other animals to, uh, to warn about the hawk in, around the area. But then you see vultures around because the hawk isn't going to eat everything, so the vulture has to clean it up. I see the shark <laughs> as the vulture. What, but, but what is connected to the shark's life in their, in their circle? Well, you know, and, and what you bring up and is the uh, is the, the simple fact that the the white the, the shark in general, you know, sharks in general, you know, we can talk about the white shark, but sharks in general. I hope it comes out in the book, you know, are critical components of the food web, you know, the marine ecosystem. So we need our sharks because they exert top-down pressure. You know, they're not just scavengers that swoop in. They're actually species that target other species and keep the ocean in balance. And so we can't remove them or we're going to have an unhealthy ocean and we need to have them come back. Um, but very rarely are sharks social animals, you know. Um, they are part of the food web. And white sharks in particular tend to be very, very solitary creatures, you know. You may find them in the same area at the same time, but it's like having a whole bunch of customers at the same restaurant. They don't necessarily know each other. And in some cases, they don't get along. You know, we've had instances where white sharks clearly show signs that other white sharks have bitten them. Wow. And so they don't necessarily play nice with each other, but they do fulfill a, a very, very important role. What is it like for you to step into an aquarium? I mean, because you, you've spent so much time on the open waters. I mean, to step into an aquarium, I understand what they're doing there, but at the same time, it, it, that shark isn't free. Yeah, that's, you know, I get mixed emotions yeah. um, because, you know, as a, a young kid growing up um, outside of New York City and Connecticut, you know, my exposure to marine life was largely through television mm -hmm. and through public aquariums. Um, so I'm a huge supporter and I'm affiliated with a couple of them here in New England and Connecticut. And so um, I support them. And there are some species that do really, really well in captivity. And, and I think that aquarium keeping has come a really, really long way when it comes to maintaining the health of captive animals. And I think of it also as a positive vector to educating the public. You know, there's a lot of kids out there like me back then. They're not going to see a live shark unless they go to an aquarium. They're just right. not. So my first time seeing a live shark was at, you know, New England Aquarium in Boston. And, and, I, and they have great scientists there and they have great curators of fish. 
So, you know, as much as sometimes I become chagrined because they might have a species that doesn't look like it's all that healthy, and I'm not talking about the New England Aquarium, but other places, you know, around the world where the, their standards is not as high, you know, um, I also think of it, of, uh, think about that young kid, that young Greg Skomel that was inspired many, many years ago to do what I do today. Yeah. I go ballistic when, I, when I'm out on a pier here in the Carolinas and somebody pulls in a baby shark and, and they, they decide not to put it back. I just, I just go ballistic. It's like, dude, you can't do that. Let him go. Yeah. Yeah. The trash fish. Yeah. They don't want the trash fish. It happens here. You know, I had people last week reach out to me and say there's a whole bunch of dead, you know, s- small sharks on the beach here. And I go... Well, I know how that happened. That's a fisherman going after something else, and he's frustrated, and he throws the nuisance, the trash fish on the beach. So, you know, it happens, unfortunately, but we're trying to we're trying to change that mindset. Do sharks feel panic? No. I mean, like most yeah. animals, they'll exhibit, you know, fight or fright reflexes. You know, in other words, if they're trapped or cornered in some way, they're going to either fight their way out or they're going to flee, you know? So that happens now i think we sometimes think of of all marine animals having a fairly you know um high intelligence i think when certainly the higher vertebrates like marine mammals you know complex social relationships sharks you know they're a little bit lower you know in the spectrum when it comes to um intelligence you know they certainly uh have the ability to learn and they they do phenomenal things when it comes to navigation and going to areas that they know they will succeed, um, but they don't do a lot of complex thinking um, at all. So, you know, they have fairly sizable brains for their their size, uh, but at the same time, most of those brains are, are are designed to find prey or to to find a mate. Wow, one of the greatest mysteries is your book because I mean, you you answer so many questions inside these pages. Uh, where can people go to give you some love to to support the book and and to support everything else that you've done? Well, I appreciate that. You know, obviously the book is sold at um, anywhere books are sold. So I encourage folks to get it. Um, I work really closely with a nonprofit um, called Atlantic White Shark Conservancy. You know, their social media pages, my own social media pages, uh, Greg Skomel are are available. We try to put out information there. But, you know, in terms of, you know, seeing what we do, you know, the Conservancy's social media, Facebook page, Twitter uh, we show a lot of our videos, and I encourage folks to visit. Dude. Please come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Thank you, Arrow. I really appreciate that. I'll, I'll be back. Excellent. You'd be brilliant today, okay? Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that.